1: the Soccer Talk discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. As usual, I am the host, Alex Alcazaz, a.k.a. the Bear of Texas. And my guest today, had he been paired up with Jesse the Body Ventura, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind they would have been Minnesota's finest and they would have been totally unstoppable. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Adams.
2: What's up, Steve? Hey, greetings from Los Angeles, going through uh, World Cup withdrawal after a couple days with no games, but um, the action starts bright and early tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. my time. Um, Brazil and Croatia kick things off, so uh, yeah, it'll be a very busy uh, Friday and Saturday.
1: Yeah, it's actually going to be interesting. I'm not working 6 a.m. Uh, tomorrow. I am working the, the midday shift, but... Fortunately, yeah, Saturday I have to miss the France and England game, which I'm already nervous enough about. But this round of 16 has already been uh, pretty interesting. I mean, the USA and Netherlands, we should probably just go and start with that because that was pretty difficult to deal with. But I think it was beyond just a simply atrocious defensive effort. I think the biggest problem for the U.S. is they don't have
2: a striker technically just yet. No, we really don't. Um, Ferrero was pretty much incognito for the time that he was out there. Um, but yeah, the, the U.S. actually at times looked good against the Dutch. Uh, they had possession of the ball. It's just really what it came down to is that when the Dutch had their chances, they were just lethal with their finishing. U.S. was... A bit wasteful in their chances early on. Uh, Christian Pulisic had a really good chance on goal. And uh, the Dutch goalie, Andres Snowport, made you know a really, really nice save uh, to keep the U.S. off the board for a while.
1: It's a shame, too, because I really had high hopes. I really felt the U.S. had a chance. And when I say that the U.S. doesn't officially have a striker, some people say they mention the names. Like, yeah, there's the names but we don't have the, the guy just yet. And when I say we don't have a striker, it's because it's the lack of experience. We don't know who the guy is. I mean, Pulisic, Weah, Ferreira, all those guys, they can potentially be the guy, but we probably won't know until four years from now.
2: Well, I would also throw Gio Reyna in that mixes yeah. ball well, too. Um, I was glad to see him get a bit more playing time, but, uh, but with the U.S. being down early to zip, Um, they really didn't have a whole lot of choice. He had to go for an offensive replacement fairly early by bringing Gio Reyna on. Um, the U S was able to get a goal back, kind of a fluky goal by Haji Wright, but you know, he'll take it. He'll, his name will still go down in the, in the score sheet. But unfortunately, right after Wright's Wright scored, Dumfries scored off a really nice volley off a beautifully placed cross. And, um, the Dutch did what they had to do. I mean, in four games, the Dutch have only given up two goals. So their defensive play has been quite good. going to get a bit of a challenge when they play Argentina in their quarterfinal. Yeah, and when the
1: U.S. scored, they immediately had a chance to equalize, and they didn't do it because I felt that. I, I felt that the U.S. was going to come just cr- come right back. We would have a game again. But then Denzel Humphrey said, nope, not happening.
2: Well, the, the U.S. defense, like you said, you know, they didn't have a great, great day. I thought uh, I thought Walker Zimmerman's passing was really poor. Um, and a missed pass from him actually ended up leading to one of the Dutch goals. But uh, I, I was really sort of surprised. Uh, Cameron Carter Vickers had such an excellent match against Iran that I thought that Burhalter would come back to him for the match against the Dutch, he didn't play him. And I think, um, I think he got burned, but I, in in fairness though, too, to Zimmerman, you know, you can't lay this loss entirely at his feet. Um, The generally the U S defense didn't look that great. Um, Anthony Robinson had some good runs down the left side. Uh, He certainly had a really, really good tournament, Um, but midfield, just not as not as good of a game against the Dutch and, um, it's a young team and, you know, four years from now, it'll be interesting to see how this all comes to fruition for the U S. And then, you know, with the other young talent that's going to be waiting in the wings and they'll come up. But, um, but I think I, I would say for the U.S. I would give them an a minus in this tournament. I think that, uh, They played really well in stretches. My biggest complaints, uh, like a lot of American fans, I just think Burhalter doesn't necessarily get his substitutions or his tactics right. But I think overall, compared to how negative we felt, uh, particularly with those two friendlies before the World Cup, uh, where they were just utterly outclassed by the Japanese, and then they struggled against Saudi Arabia. But you know, then to find out once the World Cup started, you know, Saudi Arabia was a lot better than a lot of people thought. Yeah, so, no doubt. And they so, beat Argentina. So anyway, so that's how that's how that round of 16 game went. But, um, you know, still, I think overall, it, it'll be good. I'm curious to see if, if Berhalter will get hired for another four year cycle by USA Soccer um you know it's hard to say he may want to get back into doing club soccer again and then the big question becomes who replaces him yeah
1: i I think for the u.s this is probably a lesson they probably have to go through this in order to be motivated and to know that they got to get better four years from now because they don't have to worry about the qualifying phase they're already in so maybe this loss is something that they need to learn from and hopefully they will learn from it
2: i think so i think there's going to be learning points on this, but I think overall, uh, I, th- I thought overall, uh, not a disappointing World Cup. I mean, I was really expecting a shit show uh, after those two really awful performances and those friendlies before the Japanese and the Saudis. I really was kind of expecting the worst, but um, I'd give them a solid A- minus for their tournament. That sounds about fair.
1: I got to be honest, Argentina and Australia, you know, even my dad, you know, basically has said this, you know, Argentina did not, in his honest opinion, Argentina did not look very strong against Australia. I mean, they narrowly beat them 2-1, to one, and Australia's goal came from their own goal from Enzo Fernandez from Argentina. It's a
2: better game than I thought it would be. Um, I really thought the Argentines were going to shred the socceroos, but... Uh... You know, gotta gotta give them heart. Uh, they played really hard against Argentina, and I think they just the class that they have was just a little bit too much for them.
1: Absolutely, I, I think uh, I, I think the Socceroos may have exposed some weaknesses from the Argentine team because again, narrowly beating them two to one, and now they're going against the Netherlands. I feel like anything could happen. And speaking of anything, you know, happening, well, we definitely saw that from Japan and Croatia, and. And I'll be honest, I mean, i really I thought japan I really felt Japan had a had a chance of going out because I've been saying this all tournament that Japan's style of play is again, it's something you don't see in Europe, but it's hard to it's hard to explain it by words. The only way to kind of see the way they play is just by seeing it with your own eyes. That's the only way to understand the the Japanese style of play right now.
2: I thought it was very, frankly kind of a disappointing match. Um... And boy, Japan looked terrible in taking their penalties in that loss to the Croatians. Um, but I, I thought of the of the round of sixteen games. I think that game was very mediocre. Uh, Spain Morocco, although it had high drama at the very end, I Lord. thought. I thought Spain, you know, for all of that passing that they do but they really didn't move downfield and they didn't really look super dangerous uh, against the Moroccans. And credit to Morocco, and they're carrying the banner for African football and also the Arab world is going to be putting their support. So um, in Morocco's game against Portugal this weekend, um, it's going to be pretty much like Morocco being a home team against the Portuguese.
1: 100%.
2: Oh, that, that game, I mean, see, that game
1: against Morocco and Spain, I mean, I mean, Spain being shut out in the penalty shootout, <laughs> you know, and speaking of Spain, uh, you know, they sacked their manager, I think it was announced today, uh, Luis uh, Enrique was sacked, I don't know he's if he was sacked,
2: or if he voluntarily stepped down. He's gone, I think, I think more than anything, I think he probably fell on his sword, um, but uh, but yeah, I think that a country of Spain with its pedigree and with the the players that they had, I I think for the people with the Spanish Football Federation that um, losing out the round of sixteen was just not going to be acceptable. I mean, back in back to back years. I mean, four
1: years ago it was, it was against Russia. Now it's against Morocco. I mean, and three and three to zero in a, in a penalty shootout. <laughs> I mean, Morocco, I mean Morocco, I mean, you see, now we've got the dark, we've got the official Dark Horse, of the tournament and the Cinderella team. The Dark Horse obviously now is obviously Croatia, while the Cinderella team is Morocco. so and and now Morocco is going going against Portugal, and Portugal's coming off a thrashing win, you know, over Switzerland. And of course, the big story out of that is Cristiano Ronaldo was not in the starting lineup. and furthermore, the guy that took over in his spot, uh, Ramos, scored a hat-trick.
2: Boy, Portugal looked really good <laughs> in routing the Swiss. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I credit the Portuguese coach for saying, you know what, uh, if you may be Cristiano Ronaldo, but I'm the coach of this team, and If you're going to be acting like a jerk and trying to second guess me in front of the press, uh, you can sit your ass down. And um, I thought I thought it was really good um, to bench him. And then, um, you know, coach was coach was vindicated. Um, Ramos with a hat trick. The first goal was 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 a thing amazing. I mean, because he just blasted it from a very, very acute angle. And, uh, he just unloaded a hell of a shot and it just somehow found the upper left-hand corner of the post over the Swiss goalkeeper. But, um, but I felt Portugal looked more fluid. Um, I think they covered back on defense and midfield. Cause I think that's, that's one of the liabilities of Ronaldo is that he's not really known for helping out with defensive chores. And, no. um, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I think that this is the type of match that can help solidify things. I think Ronaldo uh, eating a little bit of humble pie would not be surprised if he starts out on the bench um, in the quarterfinal game either. So it would not be a surprise at all. I mean, I,
1: I think it's safe to say that Portugal has found, has potentially found the guy that could take over Ronaldo once Ronaldo steps away, and I think that guy could very well be Gonzalo Ramos. I mean, well, think about it. you got Ramos, you got Rafael Leao, Bruno
2: Fernandes. Yeah, Leal scored a really nice goal uh, later on in the game, a uh, really uh, beautifully bet shot on that. Um, I thought João Felix had a very strong game for the Portuguese as well, but Ramos, in one round of 16 game, already has more goals in a knockout game than Cristiano Ronaldo in four previous World Cups. Cristiano Ronaldo had never scored a goal in the knockout game for, for Portugal. So, I mean, that's, that says a lot as far as the accomplishment that, um, uh, that Ramos made in this game against the Swiss. I kind of feel like the likes of you know
1: Ramos and Mbappe, I mean, they're they're basically starting to put up the points as they're probably just saying, you know, forget about Messi and Ronaldo. They're the past, we're the future. And you know, speaking of him, I mean France and Poland, man, the 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 game, I mean, I, I'm glad France won with the game. I mean. For Robert Lewandowski to be completely isolated from the game up up until the very end, I mean, I never thought that that would be it. I mean, I thought Lewandowski would certainly be the major threat for Poland, but but that French defense just isolated him, basically put him, you know, made him an outcast, and then right until the very end, with the referee decided to uh, well, get, get too deep into that, but you know, uh, the biggest story is Olivier Giroud found the back of the net. He's officially France's all-time leading scorer. And Mbappe scored a brace and broke uh, one of Pele's record. Most goals scored before turning 24 years old. You know, I really, to say that I'm having second thoughts on how France would do, I mean, I'm at an understatement. Right now I'm at a point where France should be able to win it again.
2: They're capable. There's no question about it. And um, I'm highly looking forward to this quarterfinal with England um, on Saturday. That's, I mean, that of all the quarterfinal matches, France-England is the one that I'm most looking forward to. These countries have such a history, um, you know, hundreds of years, wars, invasions, uh, intrigue. A huge amount of the French players play professionally in the EPL. So uh, there's just a lot at stake. Um, I think if Southgate... Let's his troops run a little bit and if he doesn't play to not lose kind of like he, how he did against the united states but i think if he turns his horses loose like he did um in the round of 16 you know england could england could give france a game uh this is an english side that's they, they're capable of beating france to be sure i think france is going to win i mean that's my that's my opinion but uh But this has been this has been um, a really really solid performance in this World Cup by England, and uh, they'll have Raheem Sterling will be back in the fold. He had to go back uh, to the UK for a little bit because apparently somebody had ransacked his house and had stolen some stuff. So he went back to check on his family, but uh, he's back in Qatar, so he'll be available for Gareth Southgate this weekend. He definitely will, and. I gotta ask you that that penalty that Poland was awarded. Do you think it was the it was the right call? I thought it was. I thought it was. Um, you know, you can certainly argue. I mean, were they tossing the poles a bone? I mean, the game was it was clearly not in doubt at that point, but um, allowed Poland to save a little bit of face and and getting a goal. I mean, France was just clearly dominant in that game um, on Sunday. So, um, so we'll see how it goes. England dominant against Senegal. Um, I mean, I think Senegal getting as far as they could get round of sixteen without uh, Sadio Mane. I think that's as much as any Senegalese fan could hope for. But uh, I am really looking forward to England versus France on Saturday. Oh, definitely,
1: and you know. Everybody's saying, you know, France has yet to be challenged, and, 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 you know, same thing with England. But, you know, we can also say France had a tougher challenge in Poland than England had with Senegal. I mean, Poland, I mean, Poland in the 37th minute, you remember that play where they, you know, how the hell did they not score? I mean, Poland, I mean, first Lloris, you know, bats it away. And then I think it was Varane or, or Koundé. But I think Poland had like three scoring chances right there
2: and, and all of them failed. Poland had some whiffs at goal. You know, they they they, has, they had some chances at it. The, the Senegalese really, they had a couple of late chances against the English, but really, you know, not, not that much. I mean, England's defensive play has been, you know, just absolutely stellar in this World Cup so far. I mean, in four games, they've given up two goals, and those two goals were very late in the match against the Iranians in a match that, they were already up 6-zip. They kind of let their foot off the gas pedal after the 90th minute. But, um, but yeah, this one this one will be a treat to be sure. And then we got Brazil versus South Korea.
1: Obviously, Brazil, Brazil winning the way they did is no surprise. It was 4 nothing at halftime. And then after that, Brazil just kind of kept playing. But just kind of like basically, I think, out of respect, just kind of just, you know, like that. And South Korea had one goal. But... We all, I mean, we all knew. I mean, South Korea, we knew what they got gotten themselves into, and we all knew that there's no way Brazil could have lost this one.
2: The Richarlison goal was a thing of beauty. If, uh, if your listeners haven't had a chance to watch the replays of this game, the third Brazilian goal by Richarlison was just absolutely a thing of beauty. Controls the ball with, like, four bumps off the top of his head to control, bring it down to his feet get it to a teammate and then makes a run at goal for the return pass absolutely uh, a thing of beauty and um you know the the south koreans were just overmatched i think south korea not too unlike senegal i think they were probably happy coming out of that uh, particularly difficult group that they were in Uh, i think they felt pretty good getting to the round of 16 but um I picked Brazil to win this thing going in, and um, the the Brazilians with their starters all in place and Neymar at the helm, um, they're formidable.
1: Yeah. But we say this, you know, Brazil, as far as Brazil goes, you know, four years ago, everybody everybody said the exact same thing they're saying now. They said it even eight years ago when Brazil were the hosts. Everybody's saying, yeah, well, this time for real. I'm like, well... We'll go ahead and wait and see because now they got they got Croatia in the quarterfinals and you can say whatever, whatever whatever you want about Croatia, but they've been counted out before and they've
2: pulled off the upset. Well, Croatians are nothing if not resilient, and um, you know the, the the Japanese went up uh, right before halftime um, goal from Maeta, then Pirisic equalized. Uh, at the 55th minute for the Croatians but um, they really did a pretty good job of holding the Japanese in check for a pretty good chunk of the game which is no small feat given the attacking flair that the Japanese have and then uh, Japan's performance and penalties uh, was just brutal totally brutal
1: this is what this is why I hate penalty shootouts I mean I don't. Yeah, I mean, obviously, France does not have a good track record with with penalty shootouts, so there's obviously a reason why I hate them so much. I mean, of course, two thousand six, but what else? I just, I, I despise penalty shootouts. But sometimes after one hundred twenty minutes, that that, that's all it comes down to.
2: I I think most. I think most fans, if you if you put it to even the most casual soccer fan, I think most of us would agree that you know penalties is just it's a sucky way of. Deciding a game, it's like a tied baseball game, and then you're going to go to a home run hitting contest to mm-hmm. decide a game. And um, I would rather see other things come into play. I would rather see more substitutions allowed, know, yeah. open- because I think if you get more fresh legs out on the field, um, you're you're going to open up play, and I think you'll you'll get goals. I would rather see. A couple more substitutions be allowed in overtime, um, and then and then go from there. I think that would still cut down on the number of these type of games. Definitely. So my prediction for this one is: well, I think Brazil
1: wins, but uh, but you know, Cro- Croatia can certainly put up a fight, but Croatia
2: might learn that Bra- Brazil might be too much for them. I think Brazil wins this one two zip. I, I think they're feeling it. The croatians are plucky they're ring smart um Luka modric even at his advanced age is still just an amazing sight to behold in the croatian midfield but i think brazil takes this uh quarterfinal i get they i think they will stamp their ticket to play the argentines in the semis so you got an argentina over the netherlands well, you know, of course, what you think of the
1: Netherlands? After you, as you, you have said many times that the Netherlands, the best team that has never ever won the World Cup. You know, t- they, they they went twice in a row in the '70s. You know, came up short against West Germany in '74, and then came up short against Argentina four years later. Then about then, you know, 12 years ago, when, when they lost in that game against Spain. You know, for the Netherlands, winning. I mean, some some people always say they've never won anything, but we have to remind you, they. They did win the Euro back in 1988. But well, that's you know- true.
2: That's true. And, yeah. um, you know, I think that uh, with this particular coach, I think they'll probably come out with more positive tactics uh, against Argentina. Uh, it was so disappointing that final in um, South Africa, 2010, when – the Dutch made it to the final against the, you know, Spain was very heavily favored in that game. And just the level of ugliness that the Dutch brought to that game. I mean, for a country that's capable of producing such great offensive talent, uh, Cruyff, Van Basten, um, among others. And then just for the ugliness and just really awful fouling that they were doing on the Spaniards in that game, it was really it was really awful. And um, I just hope that uh, the Dutch will come out to try to at least play a bit with Argentina. They've got the players where they can do it. They've got skill guys that that can match up with the Argentines. It's just gonna be a question of, you know, do they believe but I just I just hope that it doesn't come down to a violent hack fest, like the 2010 final against Spain, that would just be really disappointing.
1: All those yellow cards. And this is actually a rematch, I believe, from not only from the 2018, uh, 2014 semifinals. I think this is a rematch of the 98 quarterfinals when, when, the, when the Netherlands progressed. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Who, knows, who knows? I mean, I have Argentina, but, you know, again, Argentina, that game against Australia kind of said something. And while Argentina has, you know, that talent. Argentina is definitely heavily favored, much like, I mean, I'll be honest, uh, as, as I'm about to give my thoughts on the French, France-England game, Argentina is the favorite, but you got to watch out for the Dutch because they're capable. I mean, they've always been very supposedly good, except, you know, when they missed the World Cup four years ago in the Euro back in 2016. I feel like the Netherlands is a team that's overall very good, but the, their, lack of, their lack of silverware is very difficult for them to show just how good they've always been. Which is, you know, unfortunate, but still, I mean, you've been to the final three times. That's that's something because there's, you know, a lot of other European teams have never made it to the final. So, when you think about it, not only a, only a handful of European teams have ever been to the final. So, and the Netherlands has been there three times. So, that's still something to talk about. So, but
2: well, and the Dutch still, let's not forget, a huge number of the Dutch players are playing in the big four leagues. Yeah. You know? there's there's a ha- there's a handful that are playing their Eredivisie in in Holland but most most of the star quality for the Netherlands they're plying their trades in the the top 4 leagues of Europe
1: yeah, and and this game I think you know is Virgil van Dijk versus Lionel Messi
2: yeah and you know and again it's worked out really well for Argentina they've been playing as a team I mean, yes, Messi has scored some goals, but they're not dependent on Messi to carry the team. Um, but I think that's that's a huge difference this time around.
1: Definitely. Well, France versus England, you you gave your thoughts on that one. Now I guess it's my turn. But and I gotta be honest, France is not the favorite. From everything I've seen, even on even with L'équipe, which my dad, you know, has been watching a lot on his computer, and I've been watching a lot of it. France is not the favorite, believe me, because, and, and, and right now, and I'm not throwing them or anything, despite of how critical I've been, but the problem is, is that the injuries that France has, have had is brutal, but France somehow is, is fighting through it. And right now, England has a defense, you know, there's Kyle Walker, you know, of course, Harry Maguire and you know, all those guys. I mean, right now, the, the tournament, and Bappe you know, kind of been proving a statement. But, you know, there's Olivier Giroud, but there's one player that is not getting the credit so far, and that's Antoine Griezmann, because they're doing the same thing to Griezmann that they did to Giroud four years ago. Griezmann hasn't scored a goal. And like I said about Giroud, he doesn't have to score a goal because Griezmann has been creating the chances, or at least helping create the chances. He has been making an impact on the pitch. I've seen it. It's not just about scoring goals. It's about leading the way. And I think Griezmann, along with Rabiot, Orient Chouamani, he's been doing a fantastic job, and one of the guys that I work with right now, he believes that Antoine Griezmann will be the difference maker for France in this one.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that it's a you know very very distinct possibility. I mean, he's certainly capable of scoring as well. Um, I mean, you know, what can you say? I mean, he has a really really strong pedigree as well. He had he had a really good tournament four years ago in Russia. But, um, but, yeah, you know we'll we'll see how it ends up going. Um, and to talk about other soccer nations, you know that have had success but have never won the big one too, I should probably also throw Portugal in there, too. Portugal has never been to a final in a FIFA World Cup. They've been to the semifinals a couple of times. but, um, but, I mean, given the amount of talent that Portugal produces, and they're playing in like all the different leagues in Europe, um, so you know they've they've certainly got some star quality as well on this team. Um, but I think I think Portugal is going to take it in their in their quarterfinal match, definitely. But um,
1: for France, uh, you said you had France winning. Uh, what do you have? The, what do you have the score as?
2: Um, this game, England France, I'll go two to one. And who who do you have? Who do you have as the scorers? Um, well, it's not terribly original, uh, Mbappe and Giroud for, for the French. Um, um, I, I think for England, I don't know if Rashford will get the start on Saturday or not. Um, but I'll just, I'll just throw it out there. I'll, I'll, I'll guess that Rashford starts, and I think he'll get a goal for England. But um, but that's that's my guess at this point. That, that,
1: that French defense, you know, young, inexperienced. I mean, the likes of Dayo Upamecano, Tio Hernandez, Jules Condé, all immensely talented. The only right now is, you know, they lack the experience. I mean, right now, Raphael Varane is the, is the guy that kind of has to, like, you know, basically be there to kind of lead them around. I'm telling you, this guy Jules Conde. Honestly, I feel like this dude might might go down as one of the most underrated guys. I mean, for a dude, you know, he's obviously not not the biggest guy, but this guy's got the ability to kind of basically flank around. You know, kind of basically, he puts himself in the way because he's just he's just that kind of guy. He doesn't care. He's not scared of anybody. But I mean, no doubt Fr- the, that French defense is facing a challenge. But they did face a potential dangerous attack in Poland. But now it's going to be tougher with England. I mean, again, I mean that defense isolated one of the best players in the world than Robert Lewandowski. So wouldn't be surprised if they were able to isolate England for a time, but England's just not going to go away.
2: Well, England's a lot more than Harry Kane. And Harry Kane in this World Cup has also been a distributor. He's got some assists in this as well, too. Uh, Saka's had a really good World Cup uh, for England as well. So... um, but that English defense—I mean, McGuire, Stones, Shaw, Walker—you know—they've—they've they've played really well. Uh, Bellingham, who I'm hoping Liverpool will sign um, when it comes time for the off-season, uh, been really impressed by Bellingham in this tournament. But um, but Phil Foden has been really good along with Sokka. So um, England has some guys who can attack and who can score, to be sure.
1: Definitely. This this game's definitely gonna be hard fought. I have France winning three to two. And and, and I see I see Mbappe scoring very late to to, to keep France to, to get get pull France right into this final four. As far as Portugal versus Morocco goes, I mean obviously you got Portugal, but I feel like just like Croatia, Morocco better not be taken lightly because Spain made that mistake and Spain paid for it. Now, Portugal's not, they're not Spain. I mean, obviously, Portugal, more experienced, you know, a lot more, you know, all, all the talent, but still, Spain made that mistake, so Portugal better
2: not make that same mistake. I think the Portuguese win this one, too, Zip?
1: No. I mean, of course, there's, there's two players, you know, Morocco, that you and I are very familiar with, you know, Hakim Ziyech. I hope I'm saying that right, you know, who plays for Chelsea, and, of course, Ashraf Hakimi, who plays for Paris Saint-Germain. I mean, Morocco's got talent. But still, I mean, yeah, the 2 nothing is definitely super realistic, and that's very likely the way it's going to go.
2: Well, the Moroccan Football Federation has been really savvy as far as going after players who were born in Europe, raised in Europe, but who had Moroccan parents. And, um, you know, I want to say it's like something like 12 members of their squad are actually uh, – european born so um they've they've been able to take advantage of that and um they've been able to have a pretty darn good tournament so far yeah they have been you know this is i believe this is the this was their first time
1: in the knockout since 1986 well it's the first time they've been to the quarters yeah <laughs> i think they're the they're the fourth african nation i think to make it to the final eight First one was Cameroon back in 1990. And then you had Senegal in 2002 and then Ghana in 2010. Yeah. So I think, yeah, Morocco was the African country to make it to the final eight.
2: Yep. That makes four.
1: Yeah. So, so th- now that we got, we got this, uh, uh, basically our uh, thoughts on the round of 16 and, and the quarterfinals predictions, I do want to spend a little bit of time not only speaking about Ian Azar, but also I feel like Adrian Rabiot has finally basically kind of established himself because, speaking of Adrien Rabiot, when I saw that he was selected and he was going to start, I mean, to say that I was skeptical of the guy is an understatement. And this dude has literally been making me puke out my words. And and I'll say, if, if France wins the title and if Rabiot is a huge part of it, if it's against Brazil and he would, if he were to do what Zidane did back in 2006 or in 98, I would say the whole French nation... More than that, we all we would all owe Rabiu an apology. But I think so far we're already there because Rabiul looks focused, unselfish, no ego. He's just basically there to do his job, you know, working alongside Shua many. I mean, all of a sudden Rabiu has become a team player.
2: He's really cleaned his reputation a great deal compared to, you know, the Euros a couple of years ago and uh Russia four years ago. He's really, really um stepped up. He's he's matured a great deal. And, you know, for for France, he's been probably the most pleasant surprise for Didier Deschamps starting 11. I mean, four years ago, when he was not selected and Deschamps put him
1: on the standby list, he, you know, of course, controversially emailed Deschamps, said he didn't want to know part of it. He ended up being omitted for, you know, for about two more years until he was selected for the Euro. So, and of course, after France got knocked out by Switzerland, there was that story about how Rabiot's mom Got into an argument with Mbappe's dad, so, so, and you notice, you know, Mbappe, you know, too, in this in this tournament, you know, well, you know, super well behaved. So, so, part of me believes that I wouldn't be surprised if if Mbappe and Rabiot said, look, whatever happened with our parents is between them. We gotta step up, and we gotta, we, we gotta, we, we gotta do something. No, this is for our country. We gotta worry about ourselves. Our parents will just be us. We're adults. We gotta act like it. So, and. And of course, you know, the whole story with Mbappe after what happened in Euro 2020, I you mean, know, how the racial abuse, you know, he, that sort of that he wanted to quit the national team. You know, everybody says that if Mbappe quits early, then fine, bring in, bring in the next young talent, because there's obviously more than one. But still, I mean, Mbappe, you know, only 23 years old in the list of accomplishments is beyond endless. We haven't even it, seen the best out of him. He's not even in his prime
2: yet. It's really short-sighted. Mbappe is such a talent. It would really, It would really be sad for him to walk away from international football at such a young age because he is just such a gifted player. He, he's, he's been the player of the tournament so far. I mean, there's been some great performances by, you know, quite a few players in this tournament. But for me, it's has been, you know, lights out, uh, the player of the tournament so far.
1: Definitely. But, you know, you see, one, one of my friends, you know, Braver than me. He has France winning again and he believes Mbappe is gonna end up being, you know, the top scorer and the best player. But we'll just have to wait and see. But final thing, you know, about Belgium, you know, I think Ian Azal announced his retirement from ah uh, from international football. You know, he's thirty one years old and you know, Azal, you know, ever since he left Chelsea to go to Real Madrid, I mean, he's basically kind of just fallen off the mountain big time.
2: It's too bad because he was such a good player at Lille when he played in France and then later on when he played at Chelsea. And then um, he's been such an utter disappointment at Real Madrid. And, um, I mean, quite frankly, at this tournament, um, I know we've talked about it a bit, but uh, but I think along with Qatar and Mexico and Denmark, uh, I mean, the Belgians, for, for a team that... Made it to the semifinals, beat England for third place four years ago, and for Belgium to just be so pedestrian and so poor in this tournament, uh, it's too bad. And um, it'll be interesting to see where Roberto Martinez goes um, after this as far as what club or national team is going to want to hire him. But, um, you know, he clearly – Clearly, it just it just didn't work for the Belgians and and Connor this year.
1: It's too bad. I mean, he did win the. I mean, he won the Champions League with Real Madrid. But of course, everybody kind of everybody's always all over. You know, he didn't really win and he did nothing. I mean, yeah, like I said, I mean, it's it's sad because you know all you know everything like that. And then you know he just injury after injury after injury. And when he was when he was healthy, he couldn't make an impact. It's like you said, it's. It's a shame.
2: Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's time for the Belgians to reload and, you know, try to look for, you know, the next the next level of talent because I think, you know, some of the guys that were on the team this year, I think in 4 years, I think even De Bruyne, you know, might be getting a little long in the tooth. So, we'll just have to see what the what the Belgian Federation comes up with next. I mean, yeah, the golden
1: generation, De Bruyne, Lukaku, Hazard, It's gone. That's it. We saw the end of it. Same, too, but, you know, it's unfortunate that Belgium is just not as fortunate as the likes of the French Football Federation, Portugal, England. They don't really have the necessary sources to basically immediately have the potential guys of building the next golden generation because France and England, for sure, they have it. I mean, one guy retires, France France just looks at the list of the youths. And then they basically say, all right, this guy,
2: this guy could be our guy. So we start grooming him immediately. So, well, Portugal is in a similar thing, too. I mean, Portugal, for a country of 11 million people, uh, they seem to be able to find young talent at uh, a very rapid pace as well. I mean, they do, the Portuguese do an excellent job of developing their young players. So, um, and so do the French. Yeah, that's absolutely
1: correct. So, well, I mean, again, you know, final thing about Belgium, well, it's a shame it had to end this way, but it's, t- it's time to initiate the reconstruction. all I can say about that. Well, Steve, anything, anything else you want to say, my friend?
2: Nothing else. Uh, I think we covered it all. Uh, just looking forward to kind of following the matches tomorrow morning while I'm working. Um, the... The Brazil match, I'll have to. That's the seven a.m. start my time. I'll put it on my wife's iPad and watch it with the sound off so I can I can work, and then um, I take my lunch break at eleven so I can at least watch the first half of the of the second game tomorrow. So um, so yeah, you know everybody enjoy the quarterfinals and you know it's it's been a an excellent World Cup I have to say
1: yeah. Well, unfortunately for me, uh, I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna be missing the, the the France France and England game. I gotta work from 6 a.m. to 2 to about 2:30, but by then the game could be over. It'll be hard to pay attention because where I'm at, the service is very bad, and you know I can't look at my phone while I'm while I'm working, even though other even the other employees do. But that's them, and I I'm too focused on working because I'm very likely gonna be packing in store orders. If I'm if I miss something or if I mess it up or if it takes too long, yeah, that that's gonna be my head, but. I'm confident France can do it, but if something bad happens, you know. That, that, well, there is one more thing. I mean, Noah LeGrand now saying he wants Dishon to stay. No, no matter what, Deschamps has to go because he's been there too long. It's time to bring it. it it's time bringing in another guy, but we have to wait and see how that goes. But ladies and gentlemen, Into the Net FC is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. And remember, if you know somebody that loves soccer and they're looking for the best soccer show in the world, Into the Net FC is the answer. And if they love pro wrestling, Ringside Chaos is also the show for them. Thank you all very, very much. Steve, thank you. And everybody, please, please,
2: please subscribe. Enjoy the weekend, everybody.
3: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient.